Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Rivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, ciao. Indulge me for a minute. I want to, uh, I don't often use my linguistic skills here, so I want to introduce you uh, in Flemish, if I may, it's a, it's a Belgian language, Charles Iquetelare. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Uh, the man is on fire. How are you, Frank? I'm good. I don't know whether to be happy for him or to throat punch him. Um, <laughs> throat punch him. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, I mean, you couldn't do this in Milan, huh? <laughs> well, there's reasons for that. But don't we talk about this? I mean, you, you, real quickly. I mean, we could, you know, yeah, Inter and Juventus played, and we should talk about that. But let's talk about the kettleball. Um, so, as as Art Morelli likes to call him. Um, yeah. So. We talk about this with young players that come over from smaller leagues. Sometimes that first season doesn't go so well and takes longer than others to acclimate. And, you know, and, uh, well, at least Milan are going to get paid for uh, for moving on. They should get, you know, yeah. they're getting, I believe, what, 22, 25, 26, something in that. Yeah. Something in that vicinity, which now turns into a bargain considering the season Decatelare is having. So. It's what um, we always say. It's the new players. Most players take some time to acclimate to the tactical nature of Serie A. Sure. Some some blossom right away. Adam Lookman and several others, but for the most part, it takes some time to acclimate to the new league and new team. And maybe he just likes the blue and blue and black colors, right? You know, Gank was that color. And now and now with Atalanta. So I mean, uh, Club Rouge. Uh, Club Rouge. Just came Club Rouge. I don't want to insult Gank there. You know. Well, that's okay. Or Club that's Rouge. That's okay. We know what you we, we know what you meant. So. Um, pretty thin in the content here uh, this week, except for that that Derby d'Italia, which we're obviously going to get in depth on. Um, those of you that jumped in and helped out um, with the watch along or took part in the watch along, thank you very very much for being yeah. a part of that. Richard uh, did an out, did an outstanding job with that. Had to fly solo on it. Uh, I made a volunteer. I, commitment I feel like my cohort in this one was Dominic. Dominic had a lot of good zingers and during the, during a the watch along. So I'm gonna give All right. Dominic a, a co-host credit in that one. So, okay, good, good. Dominic, there you go. You got to sit in my seat for a little bit. So good stuff. <laughs> um, no, yeah, had a, a, a commitment to a volunteer at the kid's school and, uh, you can't really, it's hard to go to, uh, hard, hard to go into that school community. Um, if you back out of a volunteer commitment, um, the looks that you will get from people. Um, let's just say that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy. Uh, and I figured I'll, I can always catch up on what happened with your Inter-Juve game. Hell, if you listen to our preview last week, I mean, it basically went the way we thought it was going to go. Yeah. We said it wasn't going to get more than two goals in the game. We certainly did not get two goals in the game. No. Uh, but yeah, We said was, that uh... the goal would, would come from an odd situation. It did. Um, yes, it did. You know, so I mean, if you were listening to us, you you weren't surprised by anything that you saw on Sunday. So, um, you know, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the uh, the rest of uh, match uh, week twenty three. Are we on twenty three now, Richard? I we're believe 23. it's twenty three. Yeah, we're on twenty three now. Okay, um, including some uh, commentary from me on Daniele De Rossi's Roma uh, and everything that um, everything that uh, I've seen. 
the night and day changes with them, why it's working, what they're doing. Uh, also, maybe with uh, how you can beat them, uh, because the three teams that have lined up to play against them haven't uh, quite figured it out yet. So, no. um, But we'll get into all that. Uh, we'll get into some of the other things that we saw. Goals of the week. There were some quality goals. I have to pick a top five out of seven in particular that I saw. Uh, so, and, um, we'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? But since we're a little bit thin on the content this week, chat, ask us some questions, fire away, ask us anything. Hell we can do the, I mean, Calcio in particular, Calcio in particular, but if it's like other everyday walks of life, um, maybe we can, maybe we can counsel you guys through some things too. Um, (laughs) sit down on the chair. (laughs) Kick back. <laughs> You're gonna go. One of the, they'll, they'll go to their they'll go to their shrink later and be like, "Well, Richard and Frank told me." <laughs> so as long as you don't tell anybody to call you daddy, all right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> we won't, we won't, we won't get there. Uh, we definitely won't get there. What was that? A couple uh, of years ago? Yeah, so, with Rafa. <laughs> yep, yep. That was amazing. So, um, just a reminder. Also, as long we might as well plug it out there. We also are telling you Sunday, March twenty fourth. Episode 300, uh, we will be celebrating. Um, we will be getting, uh, you know, it'll be just a long celebration uh, with with trying to bring some past guests on. We're going to do it at a time where we can uh, incorporate some of our European friends that we've had on through the years, uh, get them on to make an appearance, uh, chat with them a little bit, see how things are going in their life. And it's really just going to be one of those where we're just going to have a lot of fun with it. So uh, yeah. uh, please, we'll, we'll, we'll have a time. We'll have that out on Twitter. Uh, but Sunday, March 24th is going to be an event, number 300 uh, for the City I Sit Down. We're pretty excited as we're counting down getting to that. So why don't we get on with it, Richard? We had Inter and Juve, uh, Derby d'Italia. Um, we, we, we were pretty um, aggressive in our preview that uh, get ready for a rock fight. Uh, get ready for it to be physical. Uh, a few yellows. Nobody got sent off. Um but uh, I believe uh, we had five yellow cards altogether in the game, uh, but nothing to where anybody got sent off. Definitely physical, definitely tactical. Uh, came down to the odd goal, as everybody remembers. Uh, we went with Inter's uh, 3-5-2, Sommer in goal, Pabart, Acerbi, and Bastoni across the back. Darmian and DiMarco in the wingback positions. Barella, Chalanolu, Mkhitaryan, the familiar midfield, the even more familiar front two of Lotaro and Marcus Turam. Uh, Richard, really no surprises with uh, the selection uh, that Simone and Zaghi trotted out for this one. No, 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 not at all. Uh, I mean, I mean, those can probably say that Pavard or Bastoni going to start in there, but I, I don't think so. I think this is arguably the best eleven that they have. Um, I think the the players that they chose for the midfield were the right were the right recipe. I think Darmian. People were wondering why Darmian started over Dumfries. Um, we saw how. Dumfries had a costly giveaway the last time he started, and so Inzaghi, knowing that this is a big game, you can't have those kind of turnovers and those mistakes, and so you go with the tried and true Darmian, and uh, it paid it paid well. This is a, a great lineup by uh, Inzaghi. Yep, yep. Coming back, uh, running it back, Juventus, uh, Chesney and Gold, Gatti, uh, Bremer and Danilo, uh, Cambiasso and Kostic on the wing backs. You got McKenney, Locatelli, Rabio in midfield. Yildiz. Finally occurred to Max Allegri that he's got this kid, he better play him. Um, not like last week against Empoli, and then Vlaovic up front. Um, the only one that I would probably question, and yeah, in hindsight being twenty twenty, because he had the own goal, but Gatti over Alexandro in a big match like this. Um, 
Although Gatti has been really good for Juventus, it's 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 a horse apiece. Yeah, you know, Alexander might also be on his last legs in his career. Um, you know, that would have probably been the only question that I would have had. Uh, but your thoughts on what Juventus trotted out? I was actually fine with this lineup. I mean, I'm 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 very fine with Gatti. I think Gatti um, complements the other back two to make that back three together. Gatti's had a really good season, mm. own goals notwithstanding. And like you said, Alexandro is on his last legs, and so I, you know, I was. You need you need a guy like Gatti. They don't have Chiellini anymore, and, and Gatti is a guy who can, likes to mix it up, likes to talk shit, likes to be physical, totes the line at times, and so you kind of need that in these kind of games. Uh, my question mark heading into the into this game, and I, a couple people in, my, in the chat were saying the same thing, is that this is a huge derby. It's yeah. a big European fixture, and you have 18-year-old Keenan Yildiz into the game. Granted, you know, you put an 18-year-old there, one of two things going to happen. One, it's going to be too much for him, too much for the limelight, or... He's going to be naive to it, and we've seen many 18-year-olds in the past in big games just shine. Uh, and so we could have had either or, and I think a um, little too much for him. You had Kiaz on the bench, obviously, and you can bring him on as a super sub. But, you know, always questionable bringing on an 18-year-old in such a big game. It has a lot of implications uh, in the season. So, you know, Allegri rolling the dice, and, you know, you do like seeing him using the youngsters and so many times sometimes in his career that people said you don't use enough youngsters on your team you don't trust them enough now he does in a big game so at least there's credit for allegri for trying it out so um that, that was a molly question mark in the lineup but the rest of it's pretty standard honestly yeah yeah definitely agree with all of that um uh it was um and it was a chess match i mean i think you take a look at it i mean from my perspective and i'll be interested in in some of the things that you have to say about this um uh, but talk about, uh, you know, talk about how the, the 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 chances that were being created in this game. I think we had to expect um, both teams. I found both teams really had to take their chances from distance. Uh, but I think that that's also the product about of how Inter and uh, Juventus were going to situate themselves. And it really felt that way in the first half. Yeah, and 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 I, you know, we talked about it too on, on both last week and then also on the watch along. How you know, there's two teams who mm-hmm. love to play on the counterattack, um, and of the two, the most stubborn is Max Allegri. He will let you have the ball as much as he can, uh, so he can play in the counterattacks. And we saw that in the first half where Inter had majority of the possession. Um, game was. Inter, Juve did well defensively. I thought in that first half where they bent but didn't break. They were they were doing just enough i thought for the most part uh mm-hmm. inter kept coming at them but you want to see you want to see them attack i thought cholinolo was brilliant in this game making a sensational yeah. switch of plays long passes that um, one pass my god yeah so uh, you know that one play for me this this whole sequence was phenomenal right where mm-hmm. hakan cholinolo gets the ball deep in his own end makes this laser of a pass pinpoint perfect to demarco coming down the left wing side he catches it in stride all of a sudden, you see Taram coming in the middle, and you're like, oh, my goodness, there it is. And he gets it to Taram, and out of nowhere, Bremer comes out and makes a sensational tackle. That's a top five mm-hmm. play for me. Uh, yeah. And breaks up a short tapping for Taram. And there was a couple – I mean, I think Anthony mentioned in the chat, Taram probably could have had three goals in this game. It wasn't for the defense of Juventus. Um, and I, so I thought Inter had the right mindset in this game to come out very hard and attack Juventus. And Juventus were strong in the beginning. They were. They, they, they did, obviously – uh, concede a goal, which we'll get to, but uh, for the most part, they were playing what they wanted. They wanted to get Inter out of their shell and then hope to play on the counterattack. 
but the attack was lacking for for Juve for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I'll tell you why. And here's what I observed with Juve when here's what I observed with Inter with respect to Juve. Juve let Inter have the ball. Inter had a huge amount of the possession, and Juve's priority was no space whatsoever for Turam and and Lotaro in the penalty area. Yeah. We talked about this when we previewed this game. We said now it's going to have to come from midfield runs, Mikatsari and Barella, um, you know, that sort of thing. But now as it pertains to Juve, um, so they're going to be the team that takes their chances with counter. And the thing that I noticed Inter doing when they retreated defensively, they retreated centrally and they retreated deep. Okay, they didn't go ball chase to try to stop Juve on the counter at the point of the ball. They went at their, their first priority was covering the spaces and taking that away. Very impressed with how well drilled they were at that. Um, so Juve had nothing going forward on the counter because of where Inter prioritized their recovery runs. They didn't focus on, you know, gagging pressing the ball or, or anything like that. They focused on, okay, take away take away space from Yildiz on the break and, and, and get him out of a situation where he can dribble at people. Get people around Vlaovic where the ball could come into him so you could be ready to intercept it. Um, I thought that it was a very well-drilled approach. Um, and I thought, you know, that, that Simone Inzaghi came up with that he communicated to his guys, and I thought that the Inter players out there executed it very well. Um, if, if Juve w- – and basically, it slowed Juve down on the counter – Forced them wide and made them more predictable. I would help if I unmute. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I agree about that 100%. Um, it's just a, a good attack there by, by Inter. And I think also the big players for Inter stepped up, right? Um, obviously, Selmer was, was huge, but a Cherby, a Cherby you know, pocketed Vlahovic all game long. I thought the midfield uh, trio of Barella, Celanolo, and Mkhitaryan did really well. They took turns. Obviously, Celanolo was very Pirlo-esque in the way he distributed the ball. Uh, very elegant on the on the play. He took his long shots when he had it. Mkhitaryan with those late runs, like you mentioned. You know, you mentioned Taram and, and Lautaro getting tied up. And Mk, uh, Mkhitaryan came in there a couple times. One, he led the breaks yeah. uh, several times. And other times, he got into the box and nearly got on the end of it. He could have had a couple goals in this game, I thought. Uh, Barella all over the place and... His really his heads up play in the 37th minute kind of led to the, the only goal of the game. Uh, I, I just think this team overall um, hit it perfectly in, in terms of how they played this entire game, but uh, just the way they come out. You love the way that Inter came out in the game. They they, they took it to him. The initial thought was both teams going to come out conservatives, very quiet, but I, I don't I didn't see that. It was obviously 60-40 in favor of Inter in the first half possession, and it, it all looked it in the game. It was just like wave after wave and that's what you want to see yeah i mean inter attacked and and inter inter were going at them but they were left with very low percentage chances uh and that was then that was a lot to do with juve's compactness defensively so what do you do when you get in this situation how do you adjust well you start you know okay so they're they're overloading the box they're crowding the box they're crowding the spaces of tiram and and lataro so what do you how do you work against that well you start throwing more players one of the thing you can do is you can confuse them by throwing more players in the box and that's exactly what happened on the goal you have pavard now working his way into the penalty area yeah. um nearly connects on that ball that barella plays <laughs> a goal of the week if you but had that the run and the effort to try the side volley you know with his feet off the ground you know and, and the combination of those things created the confusion that led to the own goal Okay, Um, you know, so 
whenever you're playing a team that's going to play with that kind of compactness, you've got to create some kind of confusion with runs, but you've got to be smart about it. You don't want to leave yourself to be countered. Um, but you notice that if Pavard's going in, Chalanola's staying back. You know, Mkhitaryan, it's, it, you know, they, they do a nice job of mixing that up. And I thought that, um, I thought that that was, uh, that was another clever thing that I saw from Simone and Sagi. I think that they, they had a few things up their sleeve that they were able to execute where Juve wasn't able to. Yeah, and we saw a very aggressive DiMarco at times leading the line for, for Inter. That's how high he was pressing up. Darmian was very high. Um, Pavard was very high. What we saw a lot was that Chalanolu and Mkhitaryan were the ones dropping back with a Cherby often. And Mkhitaryan was all over the place. He would, he would drop back and then get into the play, lead the, lead the transition as well. So Mkhitaryan was all over the place. Uh, but you did see them pushing up very high. Very risky because if you do have a mistake and it's a counter, you just got your midfielders in there trying to stop the play. And, you know, I would favor the attack in those situations. But, you know, they knew what they were doing. Yildiz was a little overmatched, I think, with what he had at his disposal. Cherby again, pocketed Vlahovic. Couldn't really do anything in, that, in the first half and all game long. And so um, the, the, the tactic worked great, I think. And you got to give credit to Inzaghi for um, getting his team set up and ready for this kind of... Uh, this style in the first half, and it led to the goal. Barella again heads up play, gets it into the box, puts it in a dangerous zone. Right for the most part, when you got to when you cross the ball in, you just put in the, put in a six yard box. Anything can happen, and we yep. talked about it. ugly goals usually happen in these type of games. Pavard mm. went for the sensational miss, but it, it ends up hitting off the chest of Gatti and goes in the goal. Uh, so you know, as expected, the goal that happened in this game. Yep. Um, so I, I thought entered beautifully executed their game plan. I thought that parts of what Juve did worked well. I thought parts, obviously there were parts that were lacking. There wasn't, and the problem for Juve with the way that Inter set themselves up defensively when they had to defend on the break, when they got numbers behind the ball in transition, which they did an excellent job of, it, it almost looked like Juve's, attacks died in the middle third of the pitch where they because there wasn't the space to play the ball that would that would break into on the counter um and then they're forced to go wide and they're forced to be in some situations where they're not comfortable and now enters in a position where everything's in front of them they can win the ball and they can go again um so uh that's those are the things that i observed from this game i particularly the first half as we got to the second half um Game started to get a little bit more physical, continued to kind of be the chess match that it was. But I think the thing that you noticed more than anything, uh, Inter starting to carve out more dangerous chances as a result of Juve trying to chase the game a little bit and trying to get a point out of it. Um, do you think Juve perf- really performed with a lot of urgency in the second half? I didn't see it. No. Um, what do you Not think? No, not I, I. I was lamenting them, and, and during the, the watch, I'm like, why they're acting like they're winning the game with nothing versus losing the game. And yeah. It wasn't until maybe shoot, like the 88th minute. I mean, they made a bunch of substitutes in the 88th minute, and then they had this like wave where they started doing things. Um, you know, as disciplined as they were defensively, and I thought they, I thought they were very disciplined defensively. Um, and they they focused so much on the defense. You had either Yildiz coming way deep, or you had Vlaovic coming way deep, and it just kills the attack because. Then whoever gets the ball is isolated against all the inter-defense, and they couldn't do anything with it. Um, so they kept losing the ball in that middle third, like you said. Uh, but there was no sense of urgency whatsoever. It wasn't until you started seeing Wea come on and 
and Miretti and Alexandro. Yeah. Uh, I thought Chiesa came in and was all for not. He was very quiet in the game. He came in and then like disappeared. Um, all credit to Inter for that, the way they just kind of shut him down. But yeah, it was uh, very odd for me. I, I, I would have thought that, you know, once they went down one nothing coming out in that second half, they would have just been turned the tide on, on Inter. Inter would have sat back, which would, they would have loved. And then just kept going out the wave after wave and you know, see what they can get. But it never happened. It never really did happen. So Yeah. I, I legitimately don't believe that if Chiesa started this game, he would have made an impact on it. I just no, think Inter defended no. I just think Inter defended that well. Um that they would have been prepared for that as well. So um so Inter had a chance to 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 put some distance on this game. Few chances. There's the uh, Chalinolu volley, which he would have deserved with his performance. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Yeah. Um, sure. uh, Barella had a volley uh, that he turned wide. I think before all of that, Di Marco had a a chance that went wide, and then you had the uh, Arnautovic chance at the end. Um, yeah, you know, plenty of chances to kill this thing off. Um, you know, and then with Juve's best chance really was Gatti's chance from distance that didn't even get on target. Um, you can maybe make the, some people might make the argument by Vlaovic with the, the overhead, uh, the overhead kick that went over the bar, but man, that was a, just, that was a wild guess of a chance that he took. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of Interisti making, making a laugh at Arnautovic for missing his goal because it looked like he had a tapping in there, but you know, you watch the replay, Chesney makes a fantastic save. He comes out, blocks the angle. Takes one to the face or whatever it was, but it was a perfect read by Chesney. You know, I, I don't I don't think anybody would have scored in that situation just the way Chesney read it perfectly. And, you know, he didn't have a bad game. It just that, you know, one little play in this kind of games goes in a goal and that's all that could happen. Nothing, you know, nothing to do about it, honestly. So, yeah, um, I thought Chesney kept him in it. I thought Bramer was really good. Bramer was uh, yellow good. card aside, Danilo I thought. Lo- well. Danilo was and I, well, good. Yeah, and I thought Locatelli was really good protecting the back three. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just what they what they had going forward just left an awful lot to be desired. But then that's also a product of Inter just uh, having their focus and taking that away from them immediately. You know, um, they were very very well drilled in that. As I said, as I said earlier, and I'll say it again. Uh, one thing I can't agree with I can't I, I can't agree with the Inzaghi booking. I don't think he's clapping in the direction of the referee. Um, I would I would like to get some clarity by from somebody that was actually on the pitch to validate that for me. I think he was trying to applaud the effort of one of his players, and the referee might have misunderstood it. Um, what did you see? What did what did they say? Was there any interpretation? Was there anything that came out of that? Because he will be in the because he's had multiple yellow cards. He will uh, he will be watching the uh, the upcoming game against Roma from the stands. Yeah. Um, but what happened there? Because I, I, you know, I looked at something. It looked like I thought he was applauding one of his players. I don't think he was clapping in the direction of the referee. Yeah, I, I, I missed the play. I, I mean, I saw when he was clapping, and I kind of like was you know chatting away. And next thing he gets the yellow, I'm like, wait, what, what the heck just happened? So I, I didn't see it either. And uh, like you, I thought he was just applauding his, his own teammate. He has a very expression of face, as is Max Allegri, right? So maybe he got maybe the ref got confused, or maybe he did say something. I don't know. But either yeah. way. He's going to miss the next game against Roma. Um, and, you know, you, we talked about, you just talked about how Locatelli played well in this game. And I think two, the other two midfielders who we thought were keys, who had been keys for Juve this season, McKenney and Rabiot, I thought both were quite more quieter than they should have been. They yeah. needed to step up in this game as the leaders of that, you know, the quote unquote leaders of that midfield. 
and maybe all credit to Inter. Maybe Inter just snuffed them out and they they couldn't do anything. But I thought they were very quiet in this game. Locatelli seemed to be the the more um, uh, noticeable midfielder in there. Maybe that's because he had more work to do and and cover some of the ground defensively. But I thought Locatelli seemed to do a good job. It just Rabiot and McKinney were very very quiet. Kostic had a very quiet game. Cambiasso was a little bit better than him. Um, Gatti obviously had an own goal, but for the most part it was okay. You know, but you know Bremer and Danilo for sure were. And Locatelli were the three best players for, or in Chesney, the four best players for Juventus. I like some of the positions that Rabio got himself into in certain situations. He just didn't, he didn't really get anything um, dangerous. And a couple of his shots were blocked. He had one that he missed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it, it was. I mean. Because we talked about this. We talked about with how both of these teams will just compact the box and choke the space out for the forwards that it was going to have to be the midfielders that stepped up. And we saw a lot more out of Mkhitaryan and Barella, you know, than we did out of McKenney uh, and and uh, Rabio. And we probably somewhat expected it to go that way. We said so. they were going to be the, the better midfield. We said that they're the yep. more talented of the, of the two groups, you know. So. Yep. And it made the difference because it was Barella's ball in that, that created all the problems. You know, it took the run from it took the run from Pavard, but in the end, Inter win. Um, so let's ask the question here: They have a game in hand on Juve, a game in hand on Milan, and they're four points clear of Juve, eight points clear of Milan. We, they were our pick for the Scudetto this year. Uh, champions elect, or too or, or still too early. Uh, it's it is uh, it is too early, but they're the champions elect. Um, yeah. They're playing just too good at the moment, and, and and I haven't seen them. Even their purple patches, they get wins. That's yep. how that's how good this team has been this season. So, to me, they're champions elect. And yeah, if I'm jinxing them, oh well. Um, yep. But I think this team is just so damn good. Um, Juventus. The question is now. I mean, obviously Juventus is still good. Uh, Milan is nipping at their heels and. I think the difference between Juventus and Milan is the defense. Uh, Inter has a, a, a stark advantage in that situation. Um, so, But there's a chance. You know, you slip up and Milan keeps winning, keep finding ways to win. Anything can happen. But I think it's Inter's title to lose at this time. Um, still so many games to go. But, yeah, it's they're, they're so good, man. They are good. Obviously, once the Champions League gets involved and they could change things, right? Because Juve doesn't have those kind of games. Um, but, yeah, I don't see it, man. I just... They they just seem well well drilled. They got enough you know depth to kind of rotate and get and keep getting guys fresh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But- it just at this point, it's a magnificent it's it's a magnificent magnificent easy for me to say self destruction uh, that gives this that gives this over to Juventus or even Milan at this point. Um, I I just don't see it. I mean, I think that they're they're playing. The thing about them is that they are you know. They're playing with a maturity that you would expect to see from a champion. They're winning in a variety of ways that you would expect to see from a champion. Um, so it's making it very hard for me to envision anybody else taking that spot from them at this point. So um, Eduardo saying, Nima saying that uh, the next game against Roma will decide it. Well, yeah, and Dominic saying, unless something incredibly bad happens, game over. So we're all in agreement here. I mean, I mean, this is enters to lose. You know, and they probably have one hand on the Scudetto right now. Um, crazy to say because it's only four points clear, but they have that game in hand too. So, yeah. Um, 
you know, as it pertains to Juventus, I don't think this takes anything away. Nothing, nothing was expected from them as far as winning the title, but they put themselves in such a solid position, uh, you know, to return to the Champions League next season, um, you know, and can, you know, I th- I think that, you know, certainly they want to keep winning the Scudetto because they want to continue to assert their dominance over the Serie A overall with all the, with all the titles that they have won. Yeah. Um, but I think just doing something to kind of get some respectability back to the brand, considering everything they've been through over the last few years. Um, and I think in their play on the pitch and in their performances for the most part, I think they deserve some. I think they deserve some respect for that. What do you think? Oh no, for sure. I think with the way they've been playing this year, with all the, the haters, naysayers, they've been, they've been doing a really good job for what they've got at their disposal. They've been playing as a team. Um, the back three, that defense is really you know solidified as one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at the table now, only Inter has a better defense at the moment. Um, Inter is on a like almost historical run at the moment defensively with the fourteen shutouts already. Uh, but Juve is doing a fantastic job. They really are. And they're now, as well, prior to this game, uh, prior to this game, they were scoring goals too. And so mm-hmm. they kind of figured out a way. Yildiz has kind of emerged with them. Um, Cambiasso now on the right wing. And uh, now they got the, the, the core in midfield three uh, with uh, Rabio McKinney and Locatelli. They've all been playing very well. And you got Chiesa coming off as a super sub. And so it's working for them. And, and, you, and the names that you're naming, these are younger guys. I mean... Yeah. I think that's something that you really have to give Juventus a lot of credit for, and you've got to give Allegri a lot of credit for. You know, to go from the BBC, to go from a a, a wealth of experienced players in that dressing room to, you know, ushering all of them out and bringing in this younger class of players in and getting them to play at this level and to get them to this point where they're in second. Um, you know, I, I picked them fifth. I didn't pick them top four. Um, I, I thought they'd be short of it, be, you know, so... Um, Juve scored on it. What Juve scored Gatti. on this Sunday? Gatti. Gatti. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Dominic's not done yet, apparently. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, but I think you owe him some respect. And yes, it is like, look, I'm saying something nice about Juve. I, I, you know, I, but I, I, you know, I give credit where credit's due. So I have a bigger so. question with Juve is like, why is Chiesa continuing to come off the bench instead of certain games? Is he injured? Is he, is it like you're not trusting him? Or like, what, what's the deal? Is, yes, he is coming off the bench. He's a super sub. And, may, and maybe I'm just missing something. But, like, he, you know, when he's on, he's one of the best players in Italy. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? There, there must be something I'm missing because he must be injured or something. Because I don't understand why. Yes, Yildiz is good and you want him to get playing time. But it's Chiesa. Considering that we are at all of the training sessions and true in the uh, treatment rooms or anything like that. You know, just going by it, maybe they found a formula where having him be a guy that changes the game, you know, you bring him on at a certain point to try to have an impact on the game. Not risk uh, injury again. To change it, don't risk getting him injured, you know, and things like that. I mean, it's what with Milan are doing with uh, Luka Jovic, you know. You got people, you got you got Milan fans, and we have, I constantly have to get, get into this with Milan Twitter. Uh, with a certain base of Milan Twitter, it's like, oh, Jovic scored again. Why isn't he starting? Well, because the guy in front of him's got 11 goals and eight assists in 20 appearances. So, you know, 
Uh, why don't you just appreciate the fact that Milan are getting excellent production out of the striker, no matter who they put there. From an Azzurri, um, from an Azzurri aspect, I'm I'm happy Chiesa in a way is not playing too much because he's not going to stays get fresh. He stays fresh. Yeah, but hopefully he stays fresh and is on top of his game versus stays fresh and is rusty from being lack of pitch time. But I think he's got enough pitch time where he'll be fine. Because I've seen you know he, he's performing still when he comes off the bench, other than Sunday. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to see that hopefully he stays limited minutes and fresh so he can have a full run at the Euros, uh, coming up in the summer. So got it. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be, I, I, you know, I'm okay with how they're formulating things because they're winning. I mean, and they have success, you know, um, if they start to hit it a little bit of a dip, you might see Chiesa starting more games, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll, you know, we'll keep an eye on that, but I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not as concerned about it considering the fact that Juve are getting results, you know, going about their business the way that they are and, and Allegri going about the business the way that he is. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'd, I'd love to see Chiesa play more. He's a fantastic player. He's great for Italian football. Yeah. Um, but I also understand the way Juve are approaching things. They're, you, you don't want to rock the apple cart when things are going well. No, so. No. No doubt about it. So, you know, I mean, you know, we just, it's, it's Inter and Juve. Um, we told you so. We, we previewed and said this is how it was going to go. And it, yeah. and it went exactly this way. I think I even, didn't I even say that Inter would win 1 0? You said 1 0, I said 1 1. Okay. And you no, didn't. We said, no, we said no, no chance to over two goals. So we got it right there yeah. too. So. You, so you didn't – I noticed you didn't play replay my clip from last week when I predicted Inter would win 1-0 for the people, so. I should have. I will. That's okay. No, no, no. It's okay. It's too late now. So you can play this clip. There you go. There you go. Play this clip to remind everyone about the last clip. Painful. And you can just have it captured by saying, painful reminder that I need to get on my game when Frank gets actually gets something right. So, so. Um, yeah, uh, you know, there's there's something that he hasn't quite. Yeah, sure, he hasn't quite been the same. Certainly doesn't have the bounce that he played with at Euro 2020 for Italy. Yeah. Um, you know, but he'll you know referring to Chiesa. Uh, but you know, and that's maybe part of that's part of the plan. That could be part of the plan. Yeah. You know, we'll see. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, there were nine other games this weekend, Richard, not just Inter and Juve. I know they were one and two in the league, and they're going to get all the attention. But we should probably talk about everything else that went down. We should. Uh, let me get the right week here. It's uh, week 23. You don't even have the right week? That was on week 21. I'm living in the past, man. Aye, that week, match 21, was beautiful. No, I, all right. Uh, let's get it to uh, Lecce hosting Fiorentina. Um, entertaining game. Yeah, game what a game, game, huh? I mean, Lecce had the right formula in this game. They deserved to win it. But, you know, Odan, nice goal in the 17th minute. Uh, froze the goalkeeper absolutely. one nothing there going into halftime by that scoreline. Um, Mandragora comes on off the bench as does Bel- Belotti. Mandragora gets the goal though in the 50th, making it 1 1. Carlos, uh, Carlos Beltran made it 60. Carlos Beltran. Uh, Beltran made it uh, 2 1 in the 67th minute. Looked like uh, Fiorentina kind of saved them shit, but Lecce kept attacking. I mean, how many posts did they have? Our, fa- our fact checker came in and cleared the air about Chiesa, by the way. Okay, okay. Ahmed, good to, good to have you with us, Ahmed. This is why, you, this is why, this is why we like having you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, Lecce kept attacking in the game. Uh, they looked like they were hunting yeah. for a goal, and they finally got one in the 90th minute to Roberto Piccoli. Uh, gets a goal, makes it 1-1. They didn't stop fighting. He got a goal of the week candidate in the 92nd minute. Dorgu with a sensational goal 
3-2 Lecce surprise everyone. Uh, more importantly, they surprised Fiorentina. 3-2 victors there. Uh, Fiorentina, man. Oh, reeling from that loss. Moving on to Saturday, you had uh, Frosinone hosting Milan. Uh, Sterling, another entertaining game. Olivier Giroud gets uh, a goal, as he always does, right? In the 17th minute, one nothing there. But Milan looked looked off in the game, and uh, they gave up a penalty in the 24th minute. Sule puts it away. Uh, go by this halftime by that scoreline. Uh, coming out of the break, uh, Mazzatelli gets a goal in the 65th minute. We're looking, uh-oh, we got upset here in the making because Milan are just playing like ass. But you cannot discount Milan. Gabia comes on, gets a game-tying goal in the 72nd minute. And then Luka Jovic says, you know what, it's my time. Gets on the pitch and literally first touch in the game, scores the goal, 81st minute. Milan win, come back in a dramatic fashion, 3-2 over Frosinone. Eppoli, Genoa, Udinese, Monza, none of them got the memos about scoring goals this weekend. Uh, Eppoli, Genoa, lot of, a lot of chances in the game, but no one could put it away. He did have a red card by De Winter in the 92nd minute, but a uh, lot of missed opportunities in this game. Udinese against Monza. Monza's really in free fall lately. They look poor in this game yet again. Udinese had lots of opportunities, but Rigagorio was on, standing on his head, really kept Monza in the game, and that game yeah. ends 0-0 as well, but a lot of kudos goes to Rigagorio. He made, it feels like he made 47 saves in the game. Uh, it was sensational in that game. Uh, moving on to Bologna hosting Sassuolo. This game was an entertaining one. I thought Sassuolo finally was going to decide to show up and play. They're in a relegation fight. Why not, right? Uh, Thorzet gets the goal in the 13th minute. Nice goal off of a turnover by uh, Skorupski. Um, then uh, VT, we get the own goal and in the 24th. Uh, make it 1-1. Volpato had a goal the week candidate in the 34th minute. Nice curler there uh, past Skorupski. Second half came along and Bologna finally kicked on. It looked like for a while they were just getting pushed around by Sassuolo, but they turned it on late. Fabian, uh, the 18-year-old that looks like a 15-year-old, scores in the 73rd minute. Uh, Lewis Ferguson in the 83rd, and then Salsicha Maker in the 86th minute makes it three or excuse me four-two. Uh, Bologna win uh, important game for them. They won that game there, and then moving on to Sunday again. Torino Salernitana did not get the memo about scoring goals in this one. Uh, zero zero game um, really of the three zero zero games this is the, the most disappointing game for me to watch uh, so we're gonna move on from that game <laughs> Napoli hosting <laughs> Napoli hosting with Hellas Verona uh, tough game you know no, me too Tor- Tor- Torino killed my my parlay this weekend I, <laughs> yeah. I had them over half a goal you would think it against Salernitana right but yeah well I Jerome Boateng must make that much of a difference <laughs> gosh yeah Jesus yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you exactly. could play soccer with walkers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Napoli, Hellas, Verona, Hellas came to play. Uh, Napoli had lots of chances in this game. They just couldn't, couldn't finish it off. Uh, Montipo, fantastic in this game, stood on his head. Again, another keeper who had 47 saves in this in this one. Um, we didn't get a goal until the second half, and Coppola gets a goal in the 72nd minute. Looks like we can have an upset in the hands because up to that point, Montipo... The type of game Montipo was having, it looked like nothing was going to get past him. Coppola scores a goal in the 72nd. You're thinking, oh my goodness, here we go. It's going to be an upset here. Uh, Batsari watch. But they finally kicked on. Ngonj, I'm going to give him the goal. They're calling it Davidovich own goal. I say it's an Ngonj goal for me. Uh, and then Havarshelia in the 87th minute. Goal of the week candidate. Wonderful oh, goal yes. there. Beautiful strike there. Um, 
Probably the surprising result for me in the weekend is the last game. Well, not the last game, the second to last game. Atalanta, Lazio. We talked about this last week, how this could have been a, a, a good game. I was thinking Lazio would have had a chance to win this game. But, man, the De Ketelare showing this one. First, um, Pasalic in the fifth in the 16th minute gets a nice goal there. Uh, De Ketelare gets a penalty, steps up for the penalty in the 43rd, which surprised me with all the stars they have on that team. And then in the 76th minute, yeah, he gets a second goal. Um, Immobile gets a consolation penalty in 84th, but uh, Charles Aguetelare, two goals, another two goals. He's, what, seven goals and six assists in uh, the season so far. Uh, good season, good comeback season for him. And then to round things out, Vincent Saroma hosting Cagliari. And once again, we said three important games before the, uh, before the game against Inter. You had to win them. They, they, they beat Cagliari, nice and good. Uh, Pellegrini scores again early. He just scores yep. earlier and earlier every week. Good to see it. Uh, scores in the second minute there. Uh, Dybala gets a goal of the week candidate in the 23rd minute. Nice team goal by them. Makes it 2-0. Uh, you step up in the 54th with a penalty. And then uh, to round things out, uh, Hoysen in the, with a header in the 59th. Roma win, walking away 4 nothing. Frank, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with Roma. Because, um, okay. I, you know, I wanted to take a look and study. Okay, so... so... Daniele Di Rossi, is he really making an impact? And I want to kind of share with everybody what I see. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, and you get some people, they call it murder ball with Mourinho, which is a good way to good way to put it. Um, so, first of all, the, ta- the the formation switch. They're in a 4-3-3. The 3-5-2 with Mourinho, one, it's designed, let the other team have the ball, mm-hmm. hit them on the counter. But when they attack under Mourinho, everything's in railroad tracks and everything's pretty predictable. Runs The runs that are being made, there's not a lot of variety. Um, there's not a lot of combinations. It's route one, try to get it through Lukaku. Um, you know, not use Pellegrini until later in the game when you need a guy to make the difference. Hope that Bove's that guy that can go in and take up the spaces that the forwards are leaving open for you to attack and, you know, get try to get your goals that way. Um, uh, Roma have scored 20% of their goals under De Rossi in just three games uh, in league this season. So Not surprising, um, I guess. Yeah, no, not. I guess it's not surprising. And so you go from the three-five-two to a four-three-three. You get a guy like An- An- Angelino um, to play left good back pick. for you, which is a really, really good pickup for this Tirolsi setup. Yes. Um, he's providing playmaking from wide and from deep. He hit some. He hit some high passes from his deep from deep positions at left back. He had some early crosses that asked a lot of questions. There was the one thing about Roma's wingbacks. None of them early cross. They all are going to want to go deep, yeah. end line, cut it back, end that line. That cross to Cristante was phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. So you add that to the arsenal, um, you know, and what he brings to the table and just and, – and what does that do to the opponent? That stretches them out, okay? Um, a lot of aggressive combination play and movement. You know, changing the point of attack when it's necessary. But when they change the point of attack under De Rossi, you got to watch them. When that ball goes from right to left, when it's left, it's almost warp speed. It's boom. It's go time. It's attack what's there and don't give the other team time to come over and regroup and try to take your chances and finish. So that was really impressive to see. A lot of runs in front of the ball, a lot of forward runs, a lot of just quick movement off the ball type stuff. And you can probably you can do that. When you have a striker with the strength of a Lukaku who you can play off of. 
Okay. Um, Dybala is thriving in this setup. Pellegrini is obviously thriving in this setup. This plays to the strengths of this Roma team, and it almost reminds me a little bit of Saudi's Napoli um, in the way they're set up. When you take a look at their team, where in that three-man midfield, Pellegrini's kind of that uh, that Hamshik who's got some playmaking to him, can score some goals, can do a little bit of everything as an attacking midfielder that just kind of operates on the left-hand side. Paredes is kind of, you know, you know, at this stage of his career, you know, a little grittier, but he also has some deep-line playmaking capability. And then they play Cristante to the right, uh, where he's the ball, you know, where he does some ball winning and things like that. So um, it's frighteningly similar to, you know, as, as a midfield to what Saudi had at Napoli with, with Hamšík, Jorginho, and Allen. And, um, you know, maybe that group did it a little bit better, but early early returns, this is what I'm seeing from that Roma midfield and the Rossi. The con to it, um, they better execute. Um, and they better execute, and they better be clean with their passing, and they better they better get it there because with all of the runs that they are being made, they get they get unbalanced big time, and they're susceptible to getting countered. Okay, and there there are some spaces that you can expose. Um, so my thoughts are, uh, you know, a team like a Juve, I'm going to be very intrigued by by this weekend's game with Roma and Inter, and if Roma try to come out and play this way, Inter are going to love it. Um, sure. because they've got the players that can counter what De Rossi's Roma are doing. Um, I expect Roma to continue to play the way they're playing because they're, this is a, a change with De Rossi that they believe in and want to continue to play. Um, so I expect them to have more of the ball at the Olympico this weekend, but I also expect the Inter to be able to bring that counterattacking threat. There's going to be multiple goals in this game this weekend. Um sure. Yeah, for, for both, for both, possibly for both teams. Um, um, you know, right now I'm leaning on a 2-1 Inter win, but a very exciting game to watch um, with the way this is going. But that's the one thing, if I want to poke holes at this, is like, man, there are some gaps. If they don't hit a pass here, if they don't, uh, you know, if they don't execute there, if they don't, if they don't pull certain things off because they're going to be sacrificing a lot of space for the way that they play. That said... I'm enjoying watching them play. They're fun. I mean, oh, yeah. they Roma Roma's become exciting to watch under uh, Daniele De Rossi. So well, they got we'll, that bus uh, out of we'll the parking see. spot. So you know, it's, yeah, it's that bus is that the bus is the bus is moving, and it's going warp speed in comparison to the way Mourinho had it going. So um, you know, and uh, making me feel good about picking Roma fourth. Not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, um, you know, I think this team is obviously very good. You know, the game on, on this weekend against Inter is going to be a big game for them to see where, they, where they're where they at in, in their development. Obviously, three wins in a row, is, it's helped, but this is Inter. Um, but you also got to keep in mind that this is Inter. They have they seem to have the answer for every team in the league. They know they can set up perfectly against every team. They have the talent, the depth to, to do it. Uh, so I think if you're, for you, if you're De Rossi and company, do your best to obviously win, but... You cannot let it deter you and derail you from what your ultimate goal is. I think everyone's going to have this blip in the radar against Inter this season. So you do your damnedest, learn from it, and then move on from it, and then continue to do what you're doing. Because I think not every, not, not every team is set up like Inter, not even close. Juve will be the closest, right, uh, to, 
to kind of counteract their strengths. And so, you know, use this opportunity to maybe practice before you go to the Europa League games uh, and we're going to have a really big test there against Feyenoord. Um, test some things out. You're going to have a difficult team here and give it all you got. And like I said, learn from it and move on. Uh, you can't yeah. let this disturb you. We've seen too many teams where they, they lose to Inter and say, oh, well, blow it up. It's like, no, no, this is Inter. It's a different team. Yep. Forget about that game. Let's move on. And if you lose somebody else, then you can think about that. But uh, no, I think uh, it should be entertaining. No doubt Agreed. I, I think that um, I can argue that this is Inter's toughest test um, because it's an away match for them coming off of what was probably their biggest game of the season to date. Uh, you know, and having to go through that battle for 90 minutes plus with Juventus and now having to turn around and going to a Roma team that's now finally, that's finding their stride, finding their confidence and, and playing with a belief. Um, so I can argue that this is Inter's toughest test to date um, with with how the season has been going for them. Yeah, you can say the shim of the Champions League games, they, you know, they have their struggles and things like that. It but could I think be we a always, trap game. It could be a yeah. trap game, you know? Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> right now I've got it 2-1 Inter, and I've got it being a very entertaining game. Roma and Inter also have a very long-standing habit of drawing against each other uh, over the years. Um, so a score draw of some kind could certainly be um, uh, could be in play. Uh, you know, some of the some of the histrionics that you might be able to that you might expect from the fans. Uh, will certainly be considered as as Vincent's pointing out, um, but this game is on. Uh, let's see, this game was on Saturday uh, at noon Eastern. Wow. Okay. okay. Um, so, you know, we're kind of segueing into the preview of this game. We were going to say we can talk about it now, and then we can just get to the rest of the slate. Get to the rest no, of the slate. Um, Roma are going to have to execute and they're going to have to execute at pace um yeah. you know to get around this inter defense uh pellegrini is going to have to be a big part of what they do i mean he's he's been so far he's going to have to be more so um but they're going to have to they're going to have to rely on production in places that they're not going to be you know that 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 they haven't got it and angelino is he's is he ready for this kind of stage and is he a guy that you can exploit um, you know, with a doom freezer with a Darmion on the right hand side, and if you can start loading Bedella over to that side to put some pressure, um, you know, I think that those are some things that you definitely those are questions that you definitely ask. And then when you look at Roma's midfield, the other the only other question that I have who gets to Chalinolu? You know, um, I'll be interested to see how Derossi handles that because this midfield isn't set up to go at and pressure and take the ball off of a deep line playmaker. Um, and I think that that is a concern. You know, um, they may take their chances with certain positions, just letting Hakan have the ball. But you saw it when Juventus did that. Uh, you know, in the first half, in the twenty-fourth minute, with that pass. Now, Hakan might not be able to do that all game against Roma on Saturday, but that's that's one theory. You might have to drop numbers behind, and you might have to revert to some of those older tactics, but still be able to attack with some aggression versus what you used to do. Well, how about this? Um, taking a page out of Milan's handbook and lead with Paredes to go after Chalanolu, uh, put him under pressure. Uh, if there's anyone who's going to agitate him, it's going to be Paredes. You saw he was r- rallying up Vina this past weekend. 
Yeah. Uh, Armina, excuse me, Yarimina. Uh, and so Paredes can get under his skin if he just press, press him up. Uh, force Chalnolo to kind of, you know, play quicker into the game. That way you can get Pellegrini and Cristante more uh, to do their job with the other two players. That could throw him off. Uh, I don't really see Cristante or Pellegrini doing that kind of job. It's more of a Paredes job. Was who, he, he just knows he can he can go after you. He's a hard tackler. He'll stay on you, just be annoying, and throw Chalnolo off his game. Uh, that could be enough that, you know, Roma could find a weakness, a turnover, and then and counter the other way and, and get a quick goal. Um, he, I imagine Dybala is going to be big in this game. but uh, You might be asking Cristante to go from the right of the midfield when they have the ball to being the guy that drops in and protects the back four if you're going yes. to do that. Yes. Okay, and that's going to that's gonna leave Mkhitaryan and DiMarco with some freedom or, or, or Gusto. Uh, I know that I think that uh, – DeMarco left the Juve game with a knock. I, I don't think it was serious. It didn't seem like it was. Um, but, you know, that's that's going to be the responsibility of Cristante to drift behind Paredes and protect the two center backs, you know, and to try to cut passing lanes. And if you're doing that now, you're really that's, – that's where Mkhitaryan gets dangerous. You know, um, you're talking about players against old teams. You're talking about Lukaku against Inter. What about Mkhitaryan was at Roma for a little while too. So, yeah. um, and so guys that – we're at <laughs> guys were at form guys that were at former uh, playing against their former clubs. I think are going to be pretty impactful in this game uh, on Saturday. I see that happening. Mm-hmm. I say two one to Inter. I just I can't see Inter losing. I think that Roma are probably they have a newfound identity with the way they want to play. They're excited about it. I think they're just going to take a a little bit of a slip up this week, um, but we'll be taking some bigger strides forward over the next several weeks uh, in in the hunt for that fourth position. So I'll go I'll go into winning 2-1. Yeah, uh, as much I'd love to see them get a result in this game, um, I just don't see it. You know, uh, I, I, I haven't seen enough from De Rossi yet to say one way or the other, especially, you know, the term to topple Inter. So I'm going to say, yeah, I, I like I like to shot a 2-1. to one. Um, The crowd's going to be magical. They're going to be pumped up and maybe get an early goal as a result. But, yeah, I think Inter ultimately are they're going to prevail. They're, they're the better team. So, Yep. So that's where we stand on the uh, topic of Roma and Inter. So let's get back to the rest of the uh, slate. Uh, this Mikhail... concludes our separate Inter podcast. <laughs> <laughs> An hour of Inter here. And the Inter oh, guys are going to be eating this up. Um, yeah. Let's get to... Michele Di Gregorio, big game, kept Monza in it. Yeah. Hot take. I would take him over Vicario to the Euros. Um, and uh, I don't think he's the number two, but I think that he deserves a shot for the national team. Uh, at, a ver- at the very minimum, he should be on the plane to the United States for the two friendlies. What say you? I like how you dropped in the United States friendlies there. Um, yep. I I would say this. I would say, are, are, are we saying who are we saying is the second the second goalkeeper, Providel or or Merritt? Providel. Okay. I would say, I would take Di uh, Gregorio over Providel. I think okay. based on form, form alone. Uh, okay, that makes no, yeah. Vicario probably stays. Or has not, he's been up and down. He's been like Magnon this season, where he had like great games and bad games. Um, Vicario, you know, he's been consistent, and I think Di Gregorio is having a fantastic year, so he should be, you know, deserves a, an opportunity in this one. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I think we both agree that Di Gregorio deserves a chance to get up, you know, with somebody 
taking the fate there. So, uh, yeah, either way, Vicario or Provedel, I think one of those guys um, could could take a seat back and let and let the Monza man get a get a chance in this one because he's been playing lights out and he deserves at least a recognition. You may not play because you got Donnarumma, but hey, at least to be nominated, that, that goes a long way, you know, to your confidence and, and getting better in your career. And he's going to make the goalkeeper of the season conversation very interesting at this point. I mean, I think we're still in agreement that it's Jan Sommer. Um, you know, and that was our squad. But if you know what a goalkeeper, we'll stick with that. But but Di Gregorio is making his case. He's going from the you better know them eleven to possible uh, team of the season goalkeeper. So, yeah. and we haven't had that happen before here. And so, Di Gregorio is playing fantastic this year. But just think of the season Sommer's having. He's got fourteen mm-hmm. shutouts already. The record for City, I think Nemo or someone posted this, it was 21 for the season. So he's seven away with many games to go. I mean, there's a good chance that they break that record uh, for most shutouts in the season. But uh, I expect yeah, them to, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I know Di Gregorio is having a fantastic year, as is like Montipo and you know, some of these other guys. But uh, yeah, no. Monza, the reason they're probably, especially as of late where they're at, is because of Di Gregorio keeping them in games. They, the only reason they got a point is because I keep her. So. Do we send him to the Euros? I think we do. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I think he's I think he's playing his way in with every week and proving yeah. himself. He's the number three if he goes. Donnarumma's the starter, and I don't think we're getting out of that. Um, you know, we've probably got different opinions about who the number two is, whether it's Vicario, Provedel, Merit. You can put all of them in that conversation. Um, but I, you know, I I think Di Gregorio is as good as all of those guys, and has has, has earned his spot and has earned his opportunity. So. At a minimum, let's get him on the plane to the U.S. To, for the friendlies. I believe was it Ecuador and Venezuela. Yep. Okay. Um, I start him against Venezuela. So there you, go. See, there you, you go. know, give him give him a run out and see what he's made of. I think that Spalletti would be crazy not to give him a shot. Uh, so, so that was a, that was that was another topic I wanted to cover as it pertained to this past match week. Uh, we talked a little bit about Decay Delari at the beginning of the podcast, so we've kind of done that. Um, you know, looking at the rest of it, um, Bologna and Napoli finding their stride, starting to make this conversation for fourth a little bit interesting. Bologna getting Cerce back has come along, has gone a long way in rediscovering some things. Um, the, uh, other side of it though, um, Napoli finding ways to win, scraping by Verona here, uh, and and staying in the conversation until they can get Osimhen back from uh, from Cup of Nations duty. Um, you know, among some other things, uh, these are games that <clears throat> ugly in nature for both fan bases because they had to sweat it out. It was probably disgusting for them to go through, but in the end, they pull it out and. These are the kind of three points that if you do get fourth, if you do make it to the Champions League, if you do achieve a certain objective, these are the games that you look at as the ones that were really important in helping you get there. Because you, in both of these games, Bologna and Napoli respectively went from getting nothing out of it to getting all three points. Yeah, we talked about, and you can even throw Milan in that, that same respect too. <laughs> exactly, like- yeah. The good teams find ways to win. The reason Inter are where they're at in the table is because they found every game a way to, mostly to win, but even to draw games they shouldn't have lost. And in, in this particular situation, all these teams have had their backs against the wall. Um, 
questions asked of are they who they we thought they were are they are they on a downward swing and all of a sudden um, they're getting results they're they're they have another another gear that they're kicking in, kicking in on and finding ways to get goals and I hate kids and finding ways to as someone reminded me to say but it's true like they're getting the job done and it's it's you got to credit has to go to the managers for instilling 90 minutes of play it's the old like Belichick you got to play the whole game right um, and they continue on they have they use their substitutes very well. The substitutes have been timely for in, in, for in all their cases where they come on and they make instant impacts for their teams. Uh, and so, yeah, the man, a lot of it has come down to the manager instilling that that confidence and will in these in, in all these teams. So, and then you go from that to if you miss out on your objectives, if you miss out on top four, for example, a team like Fiorentina is looking at these dropped three points against Lecce. Uh, Torino is looking at two points dropped at home against Salernitana um, as as examples of um, okay, you're you know Frosinone, you know trying to maybe solidify some points to be in a safe position to get a second season of Serie A. You went from three points to zero points in all three examples. So uh, fascinating with how these games have went. Some teams uh, were in position to you know further try to work toward achieving their objectives and lost it. Some teams went from lost causes to getting three points that are going to go a long way to helping them get where they need to go. Yeah, and then you got uh, teams like Lazio, who we thought needed a result in this game or should have got a result in this game, and they got absolutely nothing, got you know, lambasted by mm-hmm. Atalanta. And so, you know, Dominic had a question, what happened to Sarri's mojo? I, I don't know anything that happened to his mojo. Honestly, I think they Lazio were on an upward swing, and they just ran into this buzzsaw named Atalanta, who just seemed to be piecing things together. They're they're playing very well. They're having a little break, obviously, in the international competition at the moment. But I mean, they they hold the they hold the key to fourth place right now. And then you got you know obviously Bologna, Roma, Napoli. They're starting to figure things out. They're toughing out the wins, like you said. And when it comes to the end of the day, it's Fiorentina and Lazio and Torino who are going to be kicking themselves for dropping points when they you know probably should have got some results, at least a draw, and they didn't. And so. Yeah. yeah, it's that's um, that's what it takes to make European competition. You have to be consistent. You have to find ways to get results when you're playing poor. Uh, and Napoli, Bologna, Milan all did this weekend. Reno decided to join us after we talked about the Inter Juve game. Did you notice that? He didn't want to talk about it. I, I, <laughs> I don't blame him. He's a Juve uh, fan, you know. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I feel like Saudi will be gone by the summer. Eh, it could be trending that way if if Lazio don't uh, make a run. We kind of liked how Lazio were shifting things in their approach to try to find a way to get three points here and there. You know, that they've, you know, maybe Saudi's taken a page out of the things that he had to do at Juventus because he didn't have the players. Right. You know, probably, you know, had to make those same adjustments when he realized that Kamada wasn't the answer as far as trying to find a cheap replacement for SMS. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, going with a midfield that has a little more steel by starting and playing Guendouzi a little more regularly. So, um, you know, you know, and, and Atalanta, they're fascinating. Um, you know, Dequette Delarte is just having a magnificent season. Toon Cup Miners is going to get a boatload of money playing somewhere else at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I really like I rate him highly. I like his game a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Anderson's having a very good season trying to help hold that midfield for uh, yeah, Atalanta. I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. 
you know, so you've got you've got all that in place. They're interchanging some defenders. They're finding some ways to make it work. You get they, and they're getting good goalkeeping. Okay, Karnaseki is stepping in. Yeah. You know, and and, and Karnaseki, I don't think did he play against Lazio because I know that they sometimes th- they sometimes throw in Musa. Was it Karnaseki? I thought it was. I could be wrong. Okay. I'm pretty sure I thought I remember hearing his game during, hearing his name during the game. Yeah. Okay. You know, when we saw Karnaseki last season at Cremonese, and we said this kid's not going to go down with Cremonese. He's going to he's going to end up on a good team, and here he is with Atalanta and making a very good impression. Um, you know, he's helping add a little bit to that defense. And now, granted, Lazio got only one shot on target. It was the penalty by Immobile. Um, but it seems like, you know, he's playing at a level where the defenders respect him as well. So, um, Maybe Anderson's playing like he's thinking about Juventus with all those contract talks with his sister, you know? He might have his mind on Turin. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it could speaking, be. Speaking of making changes, just um, a quickly... Uh, shift away. Zelensky, he he and ADL are not seeing eye to eye, and as a result, he's been off the team. Obviously, the rumors that he's going to enter uh, for for free, and ADL doesn't like that, and says, you know, he's going bench. He's not, he's not even bench. He's like he's not even on the on the bench, uh, not even listed. So it's like it seems like a war of words. It's it's a petty war of words, and obviously we don't know the whole backstory and everything like that. But like. He's still one of your better players. You could use a Zelensky, you know, with a set piece or a midfield or whatever. Granted, you got, you know, a little bit of depth in there, but um, well, what do you make of this whole Zelensky saga with ADL and, you know, him kind of like blacklisting him from, you know, playing or even been on the bench during games? This is on ADL. Um, you just, okay, you're doing this to a guy who chose to be loyal to you and be cho- chose to be loyal to the city and to the club over just last summer being offered – uh, a king's ransom to go play in Saudi Arabia, okay? And uh, you know he and his wife and his I think his, his and from what I read, his Zelensky's wife drove that decision, saying I don't want to live in Saudi Arabia. But you know it's still as a family they keep they they keep their loyalty to the club and to the team, you know. And for and for an owner to be treating a player like this is unacceptable, um, you know, especially a player of Zelensky's talent. Um, yeah, I mean. When a when a club that is obviously profiling a lot better, playing a lot better, and, and having more of an impact starts having an interest in you, you're going to want to take an in. You know, it's only natural. It's business. You're going to take an interest in it to see if it's for you. It's the same thing. You do you do well at your job, okay? Um, your competition might notice that might have more resources, that might have more money, and say, hey, we want you to do this over here. You know, you're crazy if you at least don't look into it. Um, you know, at least maybe do a little bit of research on, on where you'd be going next. Um, you know, uh, throughout my own personal career, I had the same company try to approach me twice very early in my career when I was having some success where I was working. And I, you know, I, the first time around, I just kind of did some research on them and looked them up and kind of saw what would be at my disposal. But then I ultimately said, no, you know, I just got started here. I'm enjoying it here. And you know, the second time around, they called me and asked, and I just said, without even looking around, I said, "Look, I, I'm, I'm situated here. I don't want to, I don't want to leave." So you didn't leave them free, huh? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> so, um, but no, I, I mean, but that's just human nature. If yeah. something, or if you perceive something, or someone better to come along and, uh, you know, and 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 make an offer for you to continue your work there, you're going to look into it. 
Okay, and I don't blame Zielinski for doing the that. The days of players staying with one club are long gone. Yeah, um, and, and this is a business. Totti retired or whatever, Tinatale, whatever, but uh, it does have It's a business, like you said. Um, yeah. Getting back to the, 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 the rest of the league, you know, look at the relegation fight right now. Obviously, it's Salernitana, Empoli, and Cagliari now. Hellas have found a way to claw the way just out based on, you know, goal differential or whatever. Uh, Udinese is still there, Sassuolo. Um, Anthony asked a good question in the chat. Do you guys think that Serie A should go back to 18 teams? Um, Juve, Milan, and Inter are all pushing for it. I don't know why they're pushing for it, because they're getting all the wins from, from those teams. Well, maybe not Milan, but I can see why Milan's pushing for it. They can't, they can't win against those bottom teams. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on going dropping to 18 versus 20? Yeah, it's a pretty good thing that Benevento aren't in Serie A right now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, at least for the sake of Milan supporters. Um, <laughs> oh, I go back and forth on this every season um and for the longest time i was pro 18 just because okay while i enjoyed seeing the uptick in goals in this league um i also looked at it it was a product of having some very bad teams in this league that allowed the better teams to score a lot um you know and that it wasn't necessarily because both teams are playing a trend. You're seeing a lot of you're seeing a lot of three two and four two kind of games. You're seeing a lot of five nil games um, that are creating that. Um, the business that is football, and we just talked about it as it pertained to Zielinski and better opportunities that might come along. The business of the sport, they won't go back. Um, you know, they, they that's. That's more. That's additional games. That's additional revenue. You know, damn the quality of the pitch uh, in favor of the almighty dollar or the almighty euro or the almighty lira. Okay, um, and that's really what uh, and that's really what it comes down to. That's really what it's going to boil down to. I mean, you can fantasize about eighteen all we want. It obviously works really well in Bundesliga. Um, you know, uh, but you also got to look at Bundesliga they all sell out their matches. Okay. Yeah. You know, City yeah, doesn't divisions. sell out their matches. They in need the divisions, 20 teams. In all their yeah. divisions, yeah. Yeah. Um, they need the 20 teams. Um, they need the 20 teams because they need the additional revenue that are generated from those games. It's it's an interesting argument. And I think, you know, what we see with Bundesliga is with the, the relegation playoffs between the, you know, second division and first division. We can't, I, th- I can't remember if we get that here, but... Syria implemented a new rule. We saw that last year where Hellas and Spezia had the playoff at the end. And I think Dominic or someone in their live chat said, <laughs> um, they said that, what happens if it's a three-way tie? Is it a three-way playoff? Like, what happens then? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't have an answer for it on the, on the live watch-along, but um, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, ultimately... Did you at least look into it? I did not. Okay. I did not. I did not. I was I was too busy watching uh, Inter and Juve. <laughs> uh, but going back to well, the I mean, match, after the match was over, with you could have looked it up. I mean, I, I, I didn't know this question was being asked. I, I could I have at least been prepared. <laughs> I could have at least been prepared to answer that question for Dominic. My God, he's a loyal uh, chat guy. Answer his question. <laughs> oh my God, it's Cliff. Cliff is Cliff is around. Cliff. He's alive. He's alive. Good to see you, Cliff. <laughs> He's alive. He's another one that shows up after we talked about Juve. That's right. Wait until we got done talking about the game to get on. Good to see you, Cliff. Hope you're doing well. Uh, But no, going back to this 18 team thing, it's like, it's hard because, you know, there are some years, it's a really good race. This year's going to be another good race. But then you have those years where, like, 
the Crotones or whoever, they're just so poor and they're far below everybody else. Solentano was like them for a while. Now they're at least playing everybody tough. Um, Gaia has been playing a lot better. Empoli's playing a little better. So now this year, I would say 20, but you know, some years, absolutely 18. It should just be like, depending how bad the year is, you know, then the next year you get dropped or something. I don't know. It's like yeah, fiscal, fiscal money or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I yeah I, I yeah we'll have to see well that's an interesting that's an interesting question we should we should be prepared to answer that about the yeah. uh, if there's a three way tie so I was not prepared um yeah to answer the question we talked about this content to Milan last week and we just said you know I I've got no desire for the cheap short term thrill of a scudetto for no. the team to get set back um you know because he'll just walk out over a hissy fit because he's not getting the players he wants. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, I still think he's an excellent manager. I, I still, it, it still blows me away that he took one of the worst Italy rosters I've ever seen and got him to the quarterfinals of the uh, Euros in 2016. Um, but you know, I think that alone, that alone, he he's up there as one of one of the better managers I've ever been yeah. ever oh, yeah. ever paid attention that was to. A great, great run by him. So. Um, but in, you know, in any sense, um, so to answer that question, we, we talked about that last week. I don't think that, I, I don't think they're going to go there. They shouldn't. I think it'll, I think it will do more harm to the actual long-term ambi- long-term ambitions that they seem to have, uh, than it will do good. And I think that Card if Cardinale is anything, he's at least measured. He doesn't do things. He doesn't seem to be very impulsive. So. Um, he doesn't tend to he doesn't tend to do things on a whim. Yeah, so, and I, and I think that's another good push uh, comment that Vincent makes, um, where it says the league needs twenty teams because there's a bunch of big teams in this league. And look, look, let's think of it. Palermo's they're on their way back. Parma's back on their way. Up. Mm. Um, Bari as well. And so, having twenty teams, you have that chance to have those teams back in the league at least for one season. And for us, nostalgia is uh, just good to, to see them at least for one year. And be like, oh yeah, I get to at least see them one more time or whatever it is. And I hope that they yeah. can make a long, deep run for many years. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm slightly in favor of 20 more than 18. But I, I see the argument both ways. Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, Conte should stay coaching national teams because he can't freak out about roster budgets. This is true. There you go. There this you is go. true. So I see no lies. I see no lies. Well, then he'll just quit in a hissy fit because he'll. Get any money? He'll, well, no, he'll check. He'll check. He'll check a certain player's twenty-three and me, and say, "Ah, you got Italian roots. Get over here. Get on the national team." Hey, you know, Kane, no, you're no, Italian, no. Aren't you? That's kind of like no, no, no. I'm Argent. I'm, I'm Argentinian. I'm playing for Argentina. And, oh, I quit. You know, that's exactly how that's going to go. So they're cheating us. They're cheating us. Yeah, that's just it. So, oh man, uh, goals of the week. Goals of the week. Um, I think that we can right. talk about that now. We we covered we the can. league. We can. Uh, honorable mentions for me: Dybala's first, a team goal there by Roma. And then oh, also, you're nuts! That's the goal of the week. Are you kidding me? Uh, that Volpato's te- goal, Volpato's curler as well as honorable mention for me. My top five. Number five, I'm going with uh, Bologna's team goal, Ferguson putting it away. I like that goal a lot. Okay. Number yeah. four, Cavada's curler, wonderful strike there. Number three, I'm going Wojciech Chesney's save on Arnautovic. I thought it was a brilliant save by him. Um, sticking with that game, Bremer's tackle on Taram was phenomenal. Just that sequence alone was phenomenal. So that whole sequence is a top play for me. Just the pass, the, the two passes, the tackle, that was just brilliant. And I'm going to be, I'm going to give it to Lecce and Dorgu. Game winner there, 3-2. 
they found a way to win it and scored a goal within a minute of the of the other goal by Piccoli. So uh, yeah, Dorgo gets the winner for me. All right, some sentiment there with the uh, the 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 the, uh, the dying embers winner. Uh, so that's fine. Okay, but we're we're pretty different here. Um, honorable mention: Zerkse's volley and Pasalic's volley uh, were each honorable mentions for me. Uh, number five, I I liked Mandragora's goal from distance. Uh, for Fiorentina against Lecce. So that got number five for me. Volpato's curler gets in at number four. Uh, the free kick from Remy Udan uh, for Lecce uh, checks in at number three. Quadratelia's uh, winner for Napoli is number two. And I just, the Dybala team goal was fantastic. I mean, that was from out of the back. Good combination down the right-hand side. Changed the point of attack. Then they're cutting it back. Lukaku, just about everything you could, you know, just about every attacking concept was implemented in that goal. Uh, and then with Dybala with the finish. So uh, really, really enjoyed seeing that happen. So uh, those are my top five. Right on. That was good. That was good goals. So, well, thank you for the kind words, Cliff. We appreciate it. Checks in the mail. That's right. Checks in the mail. (laughs) And now we conclude with the world's most popular hashtag game. It is now time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. Take it away, Richard. All righty then. Uh, Cue the Benny Hill music. All right, coming in first. Uh, so this comes from, uh, well, nominated to us by uh, Gillis15, and it's Busted Couches. So the original tweet was Nicolino, our friends from uh, up north, and says, uh, wait, just realized Juve lost two games all season and both of <laughs> them own goals. And Busted Couches says, must be a conspiracy. <laughs> must be a conspiracy. Ah, not too bad. Okay, moving on. Uh, Nicholas underscore Calcio Chiesa, Chiesa today. My job here is done, but you didn't do anything. <laughs> Very nice. And then off he go. Off he goes anyway. Off he with goes. no explanation. All right. Next up is uh, 512 days until Chesney's contract runs out. It's Juve forwards and midfielders entering the final third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved that one. That was great. Uh, let's see. So, uh, again, same person. at not underscore Marata checking in again, King Charles highlights comes in in the 93rd minute, 31 seconds with three minutes of stoppage time comes in for just a couple seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right moving on. Moving on. Uh, Puneet Singh says, uh, so the original tweet from Joe Pompliano says breaking the 2026 FIFA world cup final will be played at MetLife stadium in New Jersey. MetLife Stadium was chosen over SoFi in Los Angeles and AT&T in Dallas. And uh, Puneet says, uh, Italy has to qualify and make the World Cup final. They will never have home field advantage like this ever again. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, uh, Ray uh, Ai Dada. Uh, this is from Mondada. Uh, King Charles Reign. Uh, it's with Strinic in a Milan jersey with Leonardo and this must have been this King Charles reign. There must have been a theme with this with footballers because that's the second one we've seen. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole news of him, you know, getting cancer, obviously, and stuff like that. So uh, people fed on it, I guess. The... I think it's yeah, down so... to the Chiesa today meme and uh, not Murata with the Juve forwards and midfield is entering the final third. <laughs> I, I got I to... Gotta... Slightly bigger chuckle from the Juve forwards and midfielders entering the final third. Okay, that wins. <laughs> so another first-time winner, not underscore Morata. 
uh, is our winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter. I'm going to go ahead and retweet that while you talk to the people. Uh, Cliff says, is Twitter still toxic? Yes, it absolutely is. It hasn't got any better. Uh, but what are you going to do, right? Um, got to move on. Roll with the punches. Um, let's see. First of all, everyone who joined on the watch along for Juve Inter, Inter Juve, uh, thank you. Much appreciated. It was a fun entertaining game and, and fun to talk, chat with other people about it so uh good game overall thank you all for that um no other really shout outs honestly um so just people in the chat you guys are awesome keep following along this man I'm just waiting for episode 300 march 24th uh yep. we're gonna try to get some guests on make it a uh it'll be more than an hour for sure remember episode 200 was three hours long so episode 300 it'll Possibly at least be three hours long. So just be Vegas is setting, Vegas is setting the over under at uh, at at three right on the nose. So at three, I'm I'm starting to do all the chores in the house right now just to get get fully ready for that because it'll be the middle of the day for us. So you're uh, you're doing all the chores in the house right now so that you have your wife's blessing to allow you to do a three hour podcast. That's, yes, and I gave a I'm, month warning. Let me I apologize for correcting you on that. Yeah, and, <laughs> so. I, and I gave a month warning too. So. <laughs> Just let you know. Hey, what do you need? I got it. I do everything. So yeah, I just have to tell my wife the same thing. Sunday the twenty fourth, I have episode three hundred, and we're going to have to do uh, Richard Franco. Yeah, we got to do that, Reno. I'm sorry, I missed you the last time. So yes, yes, uh, yes we'll try yes, to we'll try yes. to get that going. Um, yeah. So uh, shout out to the chat, man, and good to see some old faces. Good to see Cliff get back on board. Uh, I saw Uncle Sharma pop on briefly earlier. Yep, so Uncle Sharma popping him. in. Uncle Sharma wanting that uh, wanting that jazzy uh, intro that we got now. So. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, I, that's all Richard. I had nothing to do with that. It's most of the graphics. Uh, j- all the of the jazzy graphics. Intro. Are all Richard, so. That's what you um, missed, Cliff. It's all the jazzy intros. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, Milan and Napoli also enter in Roma. We talked about Roma and Inter. We should talk a little Milan and Napoli. I, I just think, huh, um... Real quick on Milan Napoli before we put a bow on this edition of Serie A yeah. sit down. I think Milan win. I think that Napoli have too much naivete defensively. I think Milan are attacking really well. Um, it's at the San Zero. Milan gave away the lead at the Maradona in the reverse fixture. They're not going to make the same mistake twice. Um, Napoli will get one just because it's just mind-boggling some of the goals that Milan are conceding lately. Um, but it's another one where I'm going to go 2-1. I mean, I'm going to go in Milan's favor. Yeah, I think a thing with thing with that is that which defense is better? Yeah, because right Milan's defense is pretty pretty weak. Um, you gotta like Leao and and company to find a way just ever so slightly. I think possession is gonna be fairly even. Both teams like to possess the ball. The chances are gonna be created. Um, advantage with in goal, obviously, with with Magnon just slightly. But yeah, it's gonna be a tough game. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be goals. Both teams, I think, will score goals. And yeah. San Siro. So yeah, I like that two-one shot. Yep. So all right, we did do have that. We we forgot. We 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 slightly omitted that. We're glad we were able to come around and talk about that. So, um, so with that, we'll now put a bow on this edition of City I'll Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. You will find City I'll Sit Down. You're probably listening on one of those platforms right now, uh, as I am talking. Uh, at City I Sit Down at Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. You can also find that handle on Instagram if you want to check us out there. We're also on Facebook. Follow us on all of the social media platforms uh, where we can release content. We prime content. We primarily do it through the Twitter space, 
so that's probably the one if you're gonna if you're just gonna be on one that's the one you want to be on um uh here on the youtube channel if you're watching this for the first time and you like what you saw well then subscribe because we do this every week um hit that notification bell uh and definitely drop a like because this was a great podcast this was a great addition this week we we broke down inter and juve better than everybody else which is what you should expect when you come to this place um and uh the notification bell is particularly important because it will give you the heads up when we are back on live. And that is generally on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Late start because I was taking extra notes on the Inter-Juve game. I was also taking extra notes on I thought on you were going to Jerry Curl there, so. I, no chance of that. Unless I, I'd have to buy a wig. So, um, <laughs> Jerry Curl. I'd, yeah. Anyway. Um. So, uh, so do uh, do follow all of those instructions as it pertains to the YouTube. And uh, once again, March twenty fourth, time to be determined, episode three hundred. Uh, be ready for that one; it is going to be epic. We're going to line up a lot of people to join us uh, for that podcast. So, uh, n- same bat time, same bat channel. Although I believe you'll be finding a guest because uh, my work is taking me. Uh, my work is taking me away from uh, being able to do some pod do some podcasting next week. That's right. Well, so still playing at Tuesday at nine o'clock. So, all right, sounds great. So, Richard and a guest to be named later will be uh, will be taking care of things next Tuesday in my absence, but I will be listening to make sure they stay in line. Uh, you'll probably get that NWO theme. Uh, you know, that's that Richard likes to break that out when I'm not here. It's uh, it's like the old man leaves the room and. The old, the old man leaves the building and then everybody starts acting up. So, and, and I hope that happens actually. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, enjoy the uh, Roma inter game. Enjoy the Milan Napoli game. All the city games coming up this weekend. Uh, This has been an addition, another edition of city. sit down a podcast of world football index for Richard. I'm Frank, please, please, please be sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao. Come on,